Hello and welcome to the Goals and Glory podcast with me, your host, Bruce Aitchison. And I'm smiling like a wee boy because that's exactly how I feel. Somebody said to me once, you should never meet your heroes. Well, I'm completely going against that and I am meeting a hero tonight. Somebody that I watched and watched and watched through the terraces, loved pre- loved pretending to be him, but was never quick enough and never skillful enough. But you always wanted to be like this guy. And when the chant went up on the terraces, everybody joined in because he was everybody's favourite. He's here, he's there, and you know what? He's on the Goals and Glory podcast. Let's not waste any time and bring him in. The one and the only Mickey Weir. Hello, sir. Hello, Bruce. How are you? Yeah, very, very excited. You've been out playing five-a-sides. Yeah, after being playing, it started off a five-a-side, but it ends up about ten-a-side. I think it was ten-a-side. With I play every Wednesday with the taxi driver, so I better give them a shout out there, my my good friend, the good taxi drivers. Love it, absolutely love it. Wouldn't miss it for the world. It's absolute mayhem at times with them, but it's uh, great. It's really, really good. Keeps me fit and keeps me. I just enjoy doing it, Bruce. I just enjoy playing football, you know, but as I say the day, I've just got back. Very sore, but happy to have a chat with you. How's your touch? In uh, a word, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> terrible, but no, just, it's good to just go and make a fool of yourself for an hour, eh, and kid on that you can play football again, but no, the, as I say, I just enjoy it, just enjoy the the banter with the lads and you know the talk and whatever but as I say it can be a bit of a madhouse at times you know it's a it's a competitive game really competitive but I love it I just love it they make me laugh and when I come home at night it's just it's just great you get a buzz for it you know just playing football again eh? so are any other players any of the rest of them played a bit yeah they've all played good level you know they've all played a good level you know I don't maybe amateur junior but they're all just Football players, you can see they've all played, you know. And uh, as I say, I just go along. I was invited along, and honestly, Bruce, I wouldn't miss it for the world. You know, I, I love it. Uh, I was just invited along. I went along, and I thought, well, get a go, and I just enjoy it. Go along, and you just didn't know what. But from week to week, it gets worse, you know, because it's <laughs> it just makes me laugh. I come home every time I jump in the car, I've got a smile on my face, thinking about something that happened in the game, you know. So, but. That's what football's all about. Just enjoy it. I, I really enjoy it. Just enjoy the company, the lads, and all you know, because they're, they're a good bunch. And uh, it gets a bit rowdy at things, but I, I wouldn't have it any other way, you know. Was it? Did it ever feel like a job? Was there ever a point in your career where it felt like it was tough to get up in the morning? Never. No, never. When I was when you were injured, when I was injured, that was that was tough, you know, because any footballer will tell you that. The worst part of football is being injured, you know, and I had my fair share of injuries. But that, that was the toughest point. But as soon as you got back in and playing again, no, I loved every minute. I wouldn't have changed it for the world and I would do anything to, to go out and play football again, you know. But unfortunately, had my time. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it and no regrets. The only regrets I've got is the kind of time I went through with bad injuries, you know, that really... It destroyed me, it really hurt me. But I had to get through it and eventually got the best I could out of my body, but realised early that, you know, my small frame wasn't, wasn't quite ready for to play uh, week in, week out. Especially at that level, you know, at that level, you've got to be really fit every week and you've got to be on it. So, struggled with that, but no, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have changed it for the world, no. Some of the big lads love to give you a kick as well, didn't they? 
No, it was a different game then. You know, it was a completely different game. Sometimes I wish I was playing in this era because it's, although the players are very, they're so much, so fit nowadays. The players are so fit, you know, but we could have a wee breather in the games, you know, when we played, but it's not like that now. But no, it was a, it was a tough old game, but it was just the way it was back in that, back in the day. That was a, you had to be able to take it and if you couldn't, you wouldn't survive much, you know, but that was just the way the game was. Yeah, there was no other choice, was there? It had to be Hibs for you. Yeah, it was a, nah, I was just born and bred a Hibs supporter, you know, so my, my family were all Hibs supporters, you know, and my dad was just, there was no way I was going anywhere else once I was asked to sign for the Hibs, that was it, you're, you're signing for the Hibs, okay dad, I'll sign for the Hibs, you know, but he didn't. I think I've said it a few times. He never told me that there was other clubs involved. He's, they were quite were looking to make go down and trial and that. But once he found that Hibs were in, that was it. It was just a done deal, you know. No choice, but he's straight in, get in with it. That was it. So, so how how did that work then? Was was he getting phone calls to the house phone saying we'd like your boy to come and trial with us, and he just yeah, didn't I let you know? That. No, I never knew till. Later on, I'd heard a couple of other clubs had been involved. But I just, as far as I knew, it was Hibs, you know. So, uh, the great Pat Stanton offered me a contract after a game. I phoned my, my dad and said, We'd like to offer him a contract. And I, my dad done the deal over the phone himself. I never had much choice in it. We just, you're going to Hibs, and that was it. So, okay, dad. So, that was it, really. But, no, nah, uh, as I say, I wouldn't have changed it for the world. Great to play for your the club that you supported, you know, and, and made your family proud as well, you know, to play for the club that they all supported and that. There was pressure I went with as well, though, you know, so it was always great, Bruce, you know, if they had a bad game, you soon got told about it, put it that way. <laughs> they must have been, I mean, proud to see you run out and play, score goals, beat folk, but when you then get the whole Easter road chanting he's here he's there I mean you must have felt 25 feet tall yeah I was I had a great the supporters were great with me I, I, I could have no fault with the supporters they were great with me I think it was because I was 5 foot 2 with my hands up you know trying to make trying to make a career in football but uh, no, they were always great and I think they realised you know that it was a struggle with my hands Bruce being the size of us you know and and they all just they all seemed to take to me and and wished me as best I could, you know. So, no, they were great. But as I say, when you when you went out there just to play for the Hubs was, you know, was, when I first went out to play for Hubs, the pressure you felt was unbearable at times. You know, when you were young, you just wanted to do so well. But once you got into it, you start to realise it. You know, you're playing for the club you support. And it was a uh, special times. You know, special times. How often were you told you were too wee? Oh, every day in training. <laughs> you know, I actually thought my name was Wee Man. I, 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 I started to realise my name was Michael when I was about 21 or something. It was always Wee Man, you know, and everybody called me Wee Man. So, uh, no, it was just when I was younger. It was obviously when you were young, you were always, you always said that, you know, you're a bit too small. And I think I've seen that a few times. I kind of gave and I gave up. I gave the game up for a few years. Just simply because I was, I was quite, you know, I was hurt with all the people telling me I was too small, you know, but it was my granddad and my dad that got me back in here because yeah, I was, <clears throat> I was getting myself in a wee bit of trouble. 
and running about the wrong people sort of thing. So I started getting back into the game of football again. It happened so quick for me, Bruce, you know, it happened really quick. Got back playing again and then within about, a, I'd say, a year and a year a bit, I was signed for the hub. So it happened very quick, you know. So was that granddad and dad's plan? He's getting himself in bother. We need to occupy him a wee bit. Yeah, that was it. Two things they got me was they got me back into football and they got me a pigeon hut. <laughs> That was it, keep me off the streets, because I wasn't really that way anyway, Bruce, you know, but they were, I think they were just a bit worried I was going to get myself in trouble, you know, so so I've got, I've got both, I've got the, you're playing football again, and I wish I did, and then I, I got the pigeon hot, and anything to keep me off the streets in these days, you know, so, and it worked, eh? <laughs> it worked. You had to be brave, though, because it wasn't easy to say no to that. No, it wasn't, no, it wasn't, it was... It's just like everything else. Once you're when you're out with your friends and that, you kind of you go with the flow, don't you? If, if there's things happening, I was never like that. I must admit, I wasn't like I was. I was terrified. Of it. I mean, I was terrified of my dad. I was terrified of my dad. You know, anything else. But my dad used to say to me, "Just make sure you don't bring anybody. The police didn't come to my door, or nobody comes to my door. You'll be all right." So I was terrified of that, Bruce. You know. Uh, so that was me. I kept me in the street and narrow. I didn't. But it was never for me anyway. I knew, I knew when to get away from things. You know, I knew I wasn't a. I couldn't fight. Put it that way, I wasn't a fighter or that. I was. It was merely a, a watcher and a fighter. So I stayed at the road of that. But no, as I say, my dad was a big influence on me. My granddad had big influences to help me. You know, get back into football again. What What was it like being at school then? Did Did you just want to have a ball at your feet all the time? Yeah, I was. It was. I was just like everybody else, you know. And I was. I was very lucky because I had a. I had a good a teacher at my school, Mister Hamilton, who was a, a games teacher back in the day, you know. And I wasn't the best in class, Bruce. You know, I was. I wasn't the best in class, and I was too busy looking at the window trying to look for pigeons and couldn't concentrate. You know, I wasn't concentrate. I couldn't concentrate on things, so. Uh, but he made that, he actually said to me, you know, he said, if you study, it's true, he said to me, if you can study, try the best in class, Michael, I'll, I'll make sure the, the gym's open for you, have the gym open for me at dinner time, you can come in here. And, and we used to have the old hockey goals, you know, it was old hockey goals and they looked great, you know, when you were young. I used to go in there with my mates, all the boys, and we'd go in there and play at dinner time. They'd say, right, you can get in and we go in and play football. And I always tried to practice, you know, so he was a big help to me. Uh, because he and I did. I tried my best, basically because I thought, well, if I do my best, that. But he used to say, if I hear anything in class, if you're getting in trouble in class, I'll make sure you don't get in the gym and just all that kind of stuff. But my teachers were very good to me. You know, I must admit, they 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 helped me. They helped me on the on the road to playing football. How much do you get asked to go and speak to young players or kids? Because I I think your story is amazing and. It, there's loads of lessons in what you've done that youngsters could be picking up on. Do you ever get asked for that? Yeah, I, I've, I've done loads, Bruce, just like they are tonight, you know, just having a wee chat about football and my journey in football and what started and that, but uh, how I started and what happened to me. Yeah, I, I do quite a lot. I always try to help younger people, you know, young, especially young football players uh, that think, you know, they might get released for a club, Bruce, you know, early on, and it's not the end of the world, but for a young a young lad at 10 or 11 year old, 
it must feel like that to get released, you know. So I just try and tell them, you know, give it your best, but don't put too much pressure on yourself. Try and enjoy it, you know, try and enjoy. It's hard to say that to a young lad, you know, if he's in it in a football club and he's you know, he's maybe gets released or something. It's hard to it breaks our hearts, you know, young so I don't like that. I've never ever liked that. I don't believe in it, to be honest. I think to tell to try and judge a player at eleven year old, I just I think it's a nonsense to be honest. But it does happen. It's just the it's the pitfalls of football, unfortunately. No, but I do a lot. No, I try. I try my best to try and I try and give people, young people, especially small players, you know, <laughs> small footballers. I try and give them a bit of advice, but. It's really all down to yourself, you know, to give it your best lot, give it your best you can, train as best you can, live your life the best you can, and and if it works for you, it happens, but it's not the end of the world if it doesn't, you know, there's other, other careers, but trying to see that to a young man, it's difficult, you know. Who was your role models when you were in your teenage years? Who did you look at on the pitch and think, that's what I want to be like? It's always... Always looked at small players, eh? It was always small players. It was like, oh, can look back to it. I never seen, but my dad, back in the days, he never seen a lot, you know, because he only seen bits of TV. It wasn't like nowadays, exposure now is incredible. But I used to go and you see, like, see a Jimmy Johnston's, and, you know, well, I used to spot the Hibs, Alec Edwards was my, the one I looked at, you know, and all the small players, to be honest, you know, and then when I got into, into professional, I played. I look at like say Gordon Strachan. I used to try and look at Gordon Strachan and study him. See, you know, but he was a much much better player than me. But you know, you started to learn the sort of position that he played because he played sort of wide right as well. So believe it or not, I used to drive all the way up to Aberdeen and and watch him playing just to learn how to play that position. Believe people wouldn't believe the miles I used to put in, but I was determined to get the best myself. You know, I was determined to do that. So I used to study smaller players, especially smaller players, because there was there was a lot that's going to be at that time. <laughs> <laughs> when you were a kid, were you just was there always a game that you were playing, or were you kicking a ball against the wall? Were you working on your left foot? Were you dribbling new milk bottles? What what were you doing? What was wee Mickey like? Bruce, I practiced every day for hours. You know, hours. Honestly. Myself, my big, my big, big Keith Wright. I, mean, I, used to, I, I always tell him about the things I used to get up to. I used to practice, come home from school, and if I wasn't running, go running. I would go down the park and I would practice as much as I could. I used to have, and I stayed in Clermont at the time. There used to be trees around around this park, and I used to put a ball down, and I'd strike the ball at the tree. And if they missed the tree, it used to go right down this hill, and you had to go and chase it, you know. So I used to put the ball in, and it was amazing because you, you, you used to study, you make sure you set it up and go, right, get a good strike it and hit the, if I can hit that tree. See if you missed it, it was a nightmare because you'd have to go back and then go all the way around it. There's things I've done, but I've always said that and I always will say, I think the key to, to myself is definitely practice. I've practiced and practiced. Not, not, not to be a professional football player, but you know, just to be the best I could. You know, best I would, you know, because... My biggest fault is I hate losing, you know. I'm a bad loser. I'm terrible, terrible, terrible. I, I'm embarrassed. I get embarrassed about it at times, you know. Even when I play five or six with the boys, I get embarrassed. And I hated losing at anything. So I wanted to win at everything. So 
that was what it was like. So I thought if I played, if I played any kind of game of football, I wanted to win, you know. And that's what that was my my mindset was practice, get the best, make sure I could be the best I could. And I've always been like that, and I always say that to players, you know, practice is the key to to be getting the best you can at football or anything really, you know. Uh, practice makes perfect, and that's the way I was. That was my mindset as a young man. When you were playing age group football in Edinburgh, who were the who were the big shots? Who were the names that everybody spoke about? Well, it was loads of players, you know, loads of players back then. Uh, but I, I kind of came late into the game, you know, I was a sort of late developer, so I came in later into the game. But when you go, went to play, the, back then it was a lot of good teams, a lot of good players, you know, really good players. So I kind of came on the scene a bit later. But you knew right away, you know, when you played against these players, they were all good players, you know, but uh, you just have to... I always felt that if I was fit, you know, I used to train all the time, I always kept myself fit. And I used to think to myself, well, if I'm fitter than him, you know, I've gave myself a wee chance. And that was my mindset, you know. I've got to make sure he might be bigger than me, taller than me, stronger than me, but I'm going to be fit, I'm going to be really fit. And it served me well, you know, because I always looked at that, the fitness. So, but no, back then there was good players and every every team you played against was really good players, you know. So, And you had to, and it made you up your game a wee bit, especially when I went in kind of later and into the, the game these guys were all kind of you know renowned football players in that level eh? so you had to just get but that was the first thing I said to myself right I need to get really fat because I was I was carrying a wee bit let's say <laughs> I was carrying a wee bit for a wee while and I thought no I need to get myself fit and that was just that's the way I looked at it you know and you, you then go to Hibs and there was a an amazing group of young players there and it seems like you all became pals pretty quickly was that how it was yeah it was great great bunch of guys it was i was very fortunate two things was i was fortunate and the players i played with young guys really good players and the role models the players are great professionals you know god gordon ray you know ralph callaghan benny brazil great professionals guys that really helped you you know because they knew as i said before they knew I was I had a fight on my hands, being the size I was, and but Alfie and that were great to me. They would always encourage you, you know. Uh, they would give you a kick up the backside when you needed it, put it that way. But Ralph and that were good. They, they always, you know, they always encouraged me because, as I say, they knew that, you know, I had a, I had a chance, but I had to work really hard at it, Bruce. You know, nothing was given to us. You know, we all, we all worked hard at it. Myself, Paul Kane, Johnny Collins, Gordon Hunter. You know, Willie Muller, was so many of them, all hard workers, you know. Back then, you had to really, to give yourself a chance in the game, you needed, you needed to train hard and work hard, you know, and and it worked for a lot of us. Uh, but no, a great bunch of guys. It was great times, great laughs, you know. I used to get, every single day, it was just a great laugh, you know. It was just lucky. I was lucky to see me walking in to play for the Hibs at 16, 17-year-olds, you know. It's just... Never I believed that three or four months before that I was playing sort of at Jack Kane Centre or, you know, Duddingston or doing it St. Mark's Park. And four, as I say, three or four weeks later on, I'm playing at Easter Road. And, you know, it was just, it happened so quick, you know, but but you learn very quickly when you played with good players as well, really good players. You had to, your game had to up, you had to up your game. Uh, but 
Nah, great times, great laugh as well, great boys. One of the things, me me looking back at that team, I was telling Joe Tortolano this story, I followed Eddie May around the Asda at the Jewel as a wee kid because I couldn't believe Eddie May was staying shopping in Asda. But there were so many local boys playing at Hibs at the time that it was your job. You were a professional football player, but yeah. it seemed like you really wanted to play for Hibs. And that seemed to make the fans appreciate you and you knew what it meant to play for Hibs. Is that true? Yeah, well, 100%. It was, uh, I never ever, I never ever walked into anywhere thinking I was any special, you know. I still, I still think I'm like that today. I've never changed my ways. I don't think I have anyway, but <clears throat> I never ever walked into anywhere, the shops or anywhere thinking I'm special. Never. Always, I always was always, you know, more than grateful for a chance to become a football player. <clears throat> I wasn't brought up that way anyway, Bruce, you know. My family would never have had me being trying to be something I wasn't. You know, I'm still saying that today. I believe in, you know, be being grateful for chances you've got in life. You know, that was the way I looked at it. So I never ever, I used to go in, some people used to say to me, why are you going in there and what are you doing that? I never ever seen it that way, you know. The only time I ever got hassles was maybe when it was a Hibs Hearts derby. That's when the, that's when the, all the trouble started, you know. You'd go to a petrol station and you'd have some, a couple of Hearts supporters in the petrol station getting you abuse and then if you, if you got beat, I never used to go to that petrol station. <laughs> and if you won, you'd be going to that petrol station, all that new stuff, you know, but, yeah, I must admit, no, I never used to. We never ever walked. I think I can see that for a lot of players. It was never that tight then, Bruce. You know, you just you just went about your own your, your daily routine. But you had to realise as you got older, you realised there were some places you couldn't go to. You know, you had to stay out the road. But I found that to my cost a few times. See that way. But uh, it never, as I say, I never ever looked at it. And I don't think I'm like that as a person anyway, Bruce. I've never been like that as a person. You know. The, that that young team of players that and Hibs needed those young players because they couldn't afford to go into the transfer market as it was at the time. They needed to develop their own players, but you, you came through and you you all just seemed to love, or it seemed like it to to me as a wee boy at the time. You seemed to love playing for Hibs, getting a chance to play Easter Road, and there was that kind of confidence, I suppose, that comes with being young. Yeah, oh, I definitely. Another thing was is you would go the extra mile for your your power, you know, like say Kano's and you know Gordon Hunter, Willie Miller. They were all your friends, eh? They were all your pal. You go, you went an extra mile for them, and you wouldn't have anybody saying a bad thing about them, you know. Or uh, I had I had a lot of guardians, you know. I had a lot of players that would would look after me. <laughs> I had a lot of players that looked after me, you know, Big Gordon, Big Gordon Hunter and that, they were great with me, and wee Willie Miller, you always felt safe, Paul Kane, you felt safe on the pitch, you know, because you, you would just go that extra mile, because you were brought up together, you know, you, you worked every single day for hours together, you know, and doing all the jobs together, all the banter, all the fun, and uh, it was just like a wee team, you know, and eventually we all ended up in the first team, <clears throat> it just happened, you know, because of the 
the struggles of clubs were gone at the time. They had to go with young players. And uh, but when you go in there and that, no, they, and they're still close to them. Well, today a lot of them today, you know, I don't see as much as them as I should actually. But when you meet up, it's great to see them all again and that. We come up with all the old stories and that. It was just great. It was just great. Every single day, was, there was something happening. You know, you had to. You would not believe it. The some of the stuff that we used to get up to, but. It was just great, you know, and like you said, we just loved playing for the, our, our club, eh? Played for your club and very fortunate to do so. What What was the changing room like, turning up to, to training at Easter Road and, and before games with that kind of young team and then some of those old heads looking after you? It, it must have just been like being with your pals. Oh, it was great, it was honestly, but the thing that we had for a lot of them, Bruce, was the... Was experienced players, you know, you had respect for the experienced players, you know. I mind you used to have to knock on the door to go into their changing room. No, I used to have a mop and pail. You'd have your mop and pail and you'd have to knock on the changing room door, put your head in and say, all right, you come in and the boys would go, aye, and you come. Or they'd say, no, give us five minutes. And the respect was unbelievable. And then I never ever went, you never ever went in the first team, you know, in that changing room. Unless one, you were in the squad, or two, you were cleaning it. <laughs> that was it. You very rarely went in it. Or, but we used to wait the first team players gone away before you would, you'd go in there. And that's when all the, that's when all the nonsense started, you know, because gone with each other. And, oh, we used to have the cold hoses gone and Oh, it was just absolute madness. When the, when the old experienced players went away, the cats away, the mice would play as they say, Bruce, you know, and we used to have absolute, it was nuts, but it was brilliant at the same time, you know. <clears throat> are, are modern players missing that, that they didn't they have that apprenticeship? I think so, yeah. I, I, as I say, I think it's I think it's great for you, you know, because you, you, it was a, it was an apprenticeship and it was hard, Bruce, you know, you'd done the hours, you know, you'd done the hours. I mean, you'd been there for like... Sometimes eight o'clock, half past eight, maybe, and you were there till sometimes seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night, and you painted, you know, you cleaned the place up, and you'd paint the chairman's, the chairman would get you to come and paint his house and things like that, you know. And it was just a dog's body for, for everybody, you know, and but that's the way it was, and and it was a test, it was a test for you as well, because the manager would tell you, you know, right, what that done today, and you'd have to go out and and some of the predicaments we got ourselves into, it was just nuts. But you look back now, we go. But the apprenticeship was, was I think it was massive for us because it built your character as well, Bruce. You know, it built because the, the amount of stuff that happened to you, you, were, you. Sometimes you were terrified to go into a room. You know, either as a, as a pail falling off the. You know, it was set. They used to set traps with each other. And, you know, big pails, pails of water on the door. So we opened the door and your heat and it was just all oh, that stuff went on cold hoses and all sorts of it was unbelievable and but that, that was the fun of it but it was hard work as well when it was like an apprenticeship as such you know you had to do obviously you had to do everything clean boots do the struts and then clean the changing rooms and 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 you got to remember or not it was a big terrace and then the big huge terrace and by way back and it used to take you hours you know you had to <laughs> You had to brush it all the way along and all the way down and then you'd have to go into the gullies and it just, 
It was never ending. You know, it used to go home absolutely shattered, but I would never, have never changed it for the world. You know, it was just great, great times. Who, who was the worst? Who was the biggest slacker? Oh, there was a few of them. There was a few of them. I will no name names, but there was a big lad, big ginger, he did laddie called Hunter. He was a nightmare. He was. He was just, big Jeeves just didn't if, if Jeeves didn't fancy it, that was it. No, but, and yet, but it was the same in training, you know? Big Jeeves, oh, hated training. But put him on a football pitch, Bruce. And great player. Put him on a football pitch and he was a winner. And he, he would kick his granny. He'd do anything on a football pitch. He used to just switch on, you know? Take him off this, the pitch. Wasn't interesting, you know? But I, but I loved him for it because it used to just make me laugh. I used to say, if people only knew what you're like, they wouldn't believe it. But they say, when they went in a football field, different a different animal altogether, you know? But uh, but it was a few. Everybody ducked and dived, Bruce. Everybody done it, you know? You had to duck and drive, but you didn't. You you'd end up with all the all the tough jobs, you know. <laughs> oh, it was mad. I I love it. I I wish I could have seen it. I, you're probably glad that there was no social media then. Oh no! There's <laughs> <laughs> things that we got up to. I was telling the guys the other day. There was a wee story of telling them about the we, we had the old Alec here. God rest his soul. He was a, he was a groundsman at Hibs at the time. And he was hardware Bruce, you know. He used to go to the manager with everything, you know. If something went wrong, I'm going to go and see the manager. We go on, no. And the manager, Pat Stamford, pull us in, have a right go at us. So we, we, we said, one time we said, right, we've got to get him back. We've got to get him back. So there was a big goalkeeper time, uh, time boy called Treacle. We called him Treacle. Kevin Wilson, his name was. And uh, we were cleaning the terrace in one day. And uh, Alec, came, Alec came out with his garden. It was just a wee mm, stupid garden thing. He went out. It just got about two wheels on it. And I, I used to cut the, supposed to cut the grass. I don't think I actually cut the grass, but it looked the part, you know. So he's come out with this wee, this wee motor thing and he's come out in the park with it. And we're all saying, and I remember Chico saying, wait for it, guys, wait for it. And then, all he had was bang. And we looked round and, <laughs> and, and Alec Kerr's jumped off, he's jumped off this wee motor thing and there's oils coming, sprouting out and it's all went on the pitch. <laughs> Two days before there's a game. Oh, and he's looking up at us and oh, we were all in pieces, you know, but oh, we got heavily, we got heavily sorted for that though. Part Master Stanton was gotten mad. And he, and he said it was him and we had to just make sure it wasn't us so we had to make sure it wasn't we never done it in that but a certain person put some stones inside it and it just went back <laughs> but oh stuff we got up to but brilliant great great laugh just uh, laddies I love it uh, what, what was it like having Pat Stanton Mr Hibbs as your you know the man looking out for you uh, it's just hard to explain Bruce you know you, you can imagine how I'm I was growing up watching Pat Stanton, Jimmy Root, George Stewart, you know, Alec all these guys, and then suddenly he's a manager, you're the manager, you're walking in and he's your manager, you know, and and we go and play, we play in games, and honestly, Bruce, he was still the best player. You know, he was just like, what a football player, unbelievable. And he used to play and go, you know, he was 
he was just class, you know. He just had class all over him. He never gave the ball away. He touched his under. I remember going in thinking, oh, I've got a... We've got a lot to learn here. Because he's joining the games, eh? But now, nah, part great man. Great man as well. You know, he never ever... He never said too much, but when he said something... He's just still the same. If he said something to you, you would listen to it, you know. But I was like, ah, it was my dad's hero, one of my dad's hero. And... I used to go home and my dad would be asking me a hundred questions, you know, what did Pat do today? And what was he like doing this and what was he like doing that? And I used to say, Dad, he's just what a football player, you know. He said, I told you that, son, what a player there. Eh? But he didn't realise it, you know, and then obviously he was your manager, but it took a wee bit of time because you're starstruck, you're looking and you're going, This is Pat Stanton, you know, but for a him supporter, just to go into him, he was just amazing. But he had, he had such an aura about him as well, you know. And uh, people would just... It's still the same. Pat's still the same. If you go to him, people just... He, he draws people draw into him, you know, just go towards him. He's just such a good guy. He was like that. Is, but he helped me as well, helped us so, so much. He was great with me as well. But they all were. Jim Arouk and George Stewart and that were great people, you know. Great. All Hibs men. Proper Hibs men, you know. And... They let you know what it meant to play for the Hubs every single day. Jimmy Root used to say, hey, remember me, man, remember, you're playing for the Hubs. You're playing for the Hubs. That was it, every day. It was kind of sunk in your head, you know, but uh, they were great, great lads, great people. So you've done all that and now you're getting to play. The The apprenticeship's done. You're a professional football player. Were you... Were you pinching yourself? Did you take it for granted? Was was every day, uh, you know, bouncing out of bed? How did it feel? Oh, it was great. No, but as I say, I never took it for granted. No, I never. Always knew that when you went in there, you had to train hard, you know, and we all did. We all put the hours on. And, uh, you know, we'd do extra training. We'd go to Meadowbank Stadium and do extra sprint training. You were always trying to get better because you had to, you know, you had to because you're thinking... You never got, like, say, long-term contracts, Bruce, so you got maybe a, a year contract, you know, so you were always fighting to try and get the next year, you know, until they seen, well, he maybe be a first-team player. So every day was hard. It was all hard work, and but you were learning every day as you went along and all, because you're playing the really good players, you know, and great pros who would teach you. And they were tough for you as well at times, you know, they were really tough for you. You know, you had to realise that, you know, when you're at that level of football, uh, a bad pass or you know just wrong decisions would be uh, could be fatal you know and you learn that very quickly you know especially when I'm screaming at you you know just started screaming at you if you give the ball away but it was uh, it was a tough school it was a tough school but as I say it was it was so uh, every single day you were always learning you're always picking something up you know but uh when you're looking at these players and you think that's where I've got to get to, you know, looking at Ralph Callaghan, he was a very good player. And you're looking and you think, that's the level I need to get to, you know. So you were always looking at it and thinking, well, I've got a bit to come, you've got a bit to come. You never ever, I never ever felt safe, you know, never. You always felt that like next year could be the year that you're out, you know, one of the ones, so just had to keep going. So how, how did that work then? Did, did the manager call you in the office and say, Here's what we've got. No agent. No agent. No, it was no agent. Well, it was all YTS schemes in that day, you know. My first year was a two-year contract, YTS. And it was, uh, it was 25 quid a week or something like that. 
and it was just a YTS scheme, and then that, that, but that was your chance, you know. And I remember walking in, thinking to myself, they're going to have to throw me out here, because I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to give everything I can. They're going to have to throw me out of this place, and that's the way I kept in my mind: work hard, work hard, train hard, do the best you can. And if I wasn't good enough, Bruce, then I would have been okay, you know. I thought, well, I've gave it everything, you know. But I was fortunate to get another, and then you got a contract after it. But it was quite brutal, you know. It was, you used to take you in the changing room and just point you out, well, you're getting a contract, you're not getting a contract. It was like that, you know. And it was tough, but uh, it was terrifying at the same time, you know, just terrifying. I think, oh, God, so. But that's just the way it was, just the way it was back then. Uh, tough school, but every day was just. It was great, you know, every day was great. And you're you're then playing top level. It was was Hearts the game you were like when the fixture list came out, were you looking for the derbies or was was that just a game? Well obviously when you first when uh, nothing nobody and nothing can get close to a derby. You know, nothing gets close to the derby. It's uh, and not nothing can prepare you for it, Bruce, you know. You can be the most calm person, you know, but when you go into an Edinburgh Derby, it finds you out very quickly, you know. And if you're, if you've got a wee bit about you, you'll be okay. But if you've no, it can be, it can be an unfor, unforgiving place, you know. But, uh, but I was excited when the first derbies. I was always just excited. I thought to myself, you know, at least I can turn around and say to my dad, I've played in an. I played in an Edinburgh derby, you know, just one would have done me. But no, it was there was nothing compared to it. Nothing went close to it. Just that rivalry and the intense nature of the game and everything it meant to people, you know, and then the backlash after it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh it was a nightmare. You know, but you go into hiding for two weeks, well, you know, you go into hiding for two or three weeks. Funny enough, mate, you man, I've not seen you going out, I've not seen you in the tune and that. Uh, well, I'm not feeling well and all that nonsense, you know, but uh, but you just have to take it, you know. And I took a few of them, I took a few hidings, so you had to take it and just get on with it, but no, but great games, you know, the atmosphere, everything about it was just same for the supporters as well, Bruce, you know, you kinda beat the special special games that you you know, you do anything to play in another one again. You know, do anything to play in an Edinburgh derby. Being being an Edinburgh boy, obviously you you knew it. Guys that came into the club that you didn't have that many foreign players. But if a player comes in, did did one of the local boys sort of take him aside and go, "Listen, this is what this means," or did you just let them find out? No, a lot of times they were they were always they were always pre warned about the derby, you know everybody. But I, 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 football, you know, players understand it right away. You know, they they get to know it. But no, it was always you get the Edinburgh boys would understand that. You know, they you would kind of pass it on to them. You know, we've got the derby on Saturday whenever it was. So they kind of they kind of knew uh, what it was about. But nothing prepares you for it. You know, nothing prepares you for it. Uh, that game. But uh, the players that came into it, they found out very quickly, you know, how special a day it was and how important it was to to try and win them, you know. That was the thing. But as I say, the the games itself, 
they were just special, just special days, special days. Did you have mates in the Hearts team? You know, too many. <laughs> I've got more. I've got more mates today than I did then. You know, because it was just the way it was, Bruce. You know, it was just like all at war. You know, it was just like you know, he we went to a derby and it just meant everything to us and it meant everything to them. I'd respect for them all. You know, I'd respect for Gary McKay and. You know, Robo and all oh, these guys, I'd respect for them, you know, but they were the same as us. They were desperate to win for their team and we were desperate to win for our team. But they're kind of, as you know, at that time there was maybe four or four or five Edinburgh boys in each team, you know, so it was a, it was just all at war, you know, it was just like, but you, sometimes you could just put the ball away. Sometimes I used to say, why are we playing the ball here, you know, isn't it? There's no point in playing with the ball here because everybody just kicked lumps at each other, you know. But that's the way the derby was, eh? And it was just the way it was. But it was a ferocious game. But as I say, I had a lot of respect for them all. But now I know a lot of them, you know. It's amazing when you look back and you speak to them. And yeah, I keep in touch. I know a lot of, quite a few of them now. But back then, no, it was like it was a... Oh, you wouldn't mix with each other then. It was just... Just didn't work. <laughs> didn't work, Bruce, you know. But it was just the way the, the way the game was, and I don't think it's changed in that respect. I don't think it's changed, you know. If you were up the street having a beer, or with boys having a beer on a Saturday night, and the Hearts boys walked in, did would you would they walk turn and walk out, or would you no, socialise? No, no, it was always different. I didn't drink, but when I went up, ever wherever I seen them up the town or that, no, they had respect for each other. You know, you didn't just walk by each other and that, but. Uh, it's just football, football, eh? No, if I ever seen any of them up the tune, I never had a problem. They chat away to them, you know. But uh, never on a derby day, never on a derby night. No, it's stayed out the road yet, you know. Because I see, I never had the greatest, I never had the greatest days in the derby, so they weren't the best, you know. So, but no, I had respect for them. I had plenty of respect for them because I knew, you know, you knew what they were going through as well, how much it meant to them, as much as what it meant to us, you know. So. You had that respect in that, but as I say, never changed it. It was just, it was fantastic to play in these games, you know. The big games with the big atmospheres, that's what that's what football's all about, isn't it, really? When you were with Hibs and then you went and had your wee spell with Luton Town, what what was that like? Did, was that a, did you see that as a big opportunity? Was that a, a chance to go and spread your wings a wee bit? <clears throat> It was a bit of both. To be fair, I've said I was I was a bit impetuous, you know. I'd, yeah, I was having a I had a few run-ins with the manager at the time and just nonsense stuff, you know. But uh, then I went on a wee holiday down there for a wee while, <laughs> and I came back up. But I, I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it. But it was a kind of start of my I started getting problems with my back and my hamstrings and just wee niggles that were annoying me because we used to train on the, the pitch at the time, you know, just the, the I mean, it was, it was a decent pitch, but it wasn't like nowadays, AstroTurf nowadays are beautiful, but the days it was quite tough, so, and I started going home at night and I was in agony, you know, and I thought, it was, it was really annoying me, Bruce, you know, I'd never suffered that kind of, I'd always had problems with my back, <clears throat> but it started getting, it was just annoying me, and I started getting hamstring problems, and I'm thinking, I thought to myself, it was just one day, actually, it was, it was well, to play, I think it was Wimbledon, and I'd done my hamstring, I tore my hamstring, and 
it was like black, black and blue, and I thought, ah, this is it. And I was such a, it annoyed me so much. You know, I thought, I can't do this any longer, you know, and I just knew if it's going to be like this for a wee while, I know. But I also knew that I was missing home, you know, I was missing, I was missing the intensity of Edinburgh, believe it or not, you know, jumping out the car and somebody calling you a hubby bee or whatever <laughs> it may be. And I missed all that, you know, it was incredible, but it was kind of, these kind of things, believe it or not, I did miss it, you know, and I missed just your friends. I was still young at the time, but it was impetuous and I jumped at it. Uh, I was given the chance to go and I, I jumped at it. But I say I enjoyed that, but there were certain things that, that just were starting to annoy me, so I decided to come away back from my holiday and back up the road. <laughs> was there anything you saw there that you thought we should be doing more of that or actually we're better than folk maybe give us credit for? I always felt that the Scottish game is quicker. You know, in England, I felt they had more time on the ball. You know, I don't know what it was, but the Scottish game is just hurly-burly, you know, it was really quick and intense. But when I went down there, you kind of, sometimes you would, you'd get the ball and nobody come near you, you know, it was a different, entirely different game. It was, I found it quite strange because you're expecting to get whacked, you know, you're expecting <laughs> somebody to come and go and smash you or get close to you, but it was a, it was mere technical, you know, it was all, it was a bit like that, it'd sit off you and, which I, I was happy with because I was used to getting booted up in the air or, you know, typical Scottish game, but the game, it wasn't as intense. I found out very early that it was it was more technical than it was up here. It was, you know, up here, it's still the same. The Scottish football is so underrated. The Scottish game, I've always said, it's so underrated, you know. Yes, we mightn't have the, we mightn't have the, you know, the culture and the game that everybody wants, but to play in the Scottish Premier League, even now, it's no easy, Bruce. You know, it's a tough old league. And Scottish players, I've always said, Scottish people, they want to win. You know, Scottish people want to win anything. It doesn't matter if it's cricket, football, rugby, anything. Scottish people want to win. That's just, it's just in us. That's the way we are. And I think that that's what the Scottish Premier League's about. You know, they say they might not have a great... Yeah, really good technically gifted football players but it was the same then Bruce but I'll tell you what it was a tough old league you know and there was some really good players so that was a kind of that was a difference I've seen it just that wee bit uh, no getting booted up in the air <laughs> <laughs> so you come back up the road did, was there a big sense of relief did you just did the boys just oh he's back Mickey's I'm back not, I was always it was funny I was actually phoned I think I phoned Paul Kane because Kano, Kano was always your man. Kano, you go to Kano for everything, you know. If you wanted anything, I used to go to Kano, a great friend of mine, and he's, as you know, he's, he's recovering from a, yeah. a bad time at the moment. And I, But he was the man that I went to, I phoned him up and said, look, you know, I said, uh, you know, I'd like to come back up the roads. And he was like, oh, I'll, I'll go and speak to him, you know. And, <laughs> Kane already been, he went to speak to, I think he spoke to Peter Cormack first and then Peter told the manager and then it was done very quickly actually, but the strange thing was about it was I'd actually okayed it to come back up and uh, a couple of days just before it, I got a phone call from Graham Taylor, who was a manager at Ashton Villa at the time. And he'd actually, he'd actually inquired about me before I went down, but anyway. And he, he come on the phone and he says, I'll think about it, give yourself a couple of t- wee bit of time. And 
and I don't care to go to Hibs anyway. And he went, you know, well, I'd like you to take you, bring you, come here. And but I'd never, I was never going to see I, you know, Bruce. It wasn't that. It was just the point. I wanted to come back up the roads. I was just missing home, eh? you know. And I'm not ashamed to to say that. I just missed home. I missed all the all the nonsense that goes with uh, with playing in Edinburgh, being a football player in Edinburgh. I missed all that. So that was it. Eventually, come back up the road. No, the players were great, and they come back in, and you just get on, mate. You know, it was just, just get back into the team, and that was horrendous for months. Absolutely horrendous. I wasn't fit enough. I wasn't right. I wasn't nowhere near fit enough to play in in the Scottish Premier League, and I kind of got away with it for a wee while. But I, I knew that I had to get get myself fitter, you know. Uh, so I, I went about doing that. Uh, I never got much fitter, right enough, but I got a wee bit fitter. So uh, now I was just good to get back up the road, you know. You you got to do one of the things that I still think is missing for football now, and I loved it. And I was there. I wasn't there on the day. I think I was there the day before. How good were the ten and sixes? Oh, they were great. They were great games. Eh? They were absolute madness. So when it? it was madness because we kept lumps at each other. Did, Kip, did Paul Kane one year not playing goals? Aye, Kane went in goals. Aye, they, <laughs> they won it one year as well. We won it. Aye, that was. I was there that weekend, but I wasn't there on the. Was it Sunday you played? I think you played over the weekend, didn't you? Ah, that's right. Aye, and there used to be really good support. You know, you get a good hip support, heart support, Celtic Rangers, everybody. I don't know why they actually stopped it, but anyway, it was. Uh, no, it was good. It was. A, it was a week. It was a week change. A wee change, you know, because it was not as much running either. Eh? <laughs> how how did you pick the squad? Who who decided who went who got to go? I've not got a clue. I don't know. How that. It was just the manager, you know. He just went with the manager. We're in the squad, but everybody wanted to play in it. You know, everybody wanted to play in the ten sixes, and you still quite big squads if I can remember. You know, you'd have to. Uh, the only thing I didn't like was. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, you used to have a wee cubicle that you used to have to jump out. You remember? And you could walk through it, but you had to jump over this thing, and I could never get... Oh, I said, oh, no. Maybe I, I mean, looking and go, I can't jump over that. I, I remember seeing the manager, you need to bring that You need to bring that aside, I can't jump over that. So I, I always mind it, but oh, that was great. It was really good. I enjoyed the, the sixties, and we won it one year. I remember we won in it, but uh, everybody wanted to play, and it was a good... For the supporters as well, eh? Because it was kind of you were right up, right up close to them as well, you know, with that, with the big the glass right round the outside it and that, and all. it made you good. If it was a bad shot, it, made, it didn't matter, eh? If it went miles over the bar, it didn't matter. <laughs> it it was it was brilliant. It was, like you say, it was an amazing atmosphere. Yeah. But you also then had, like, you must have had to mix with the other teams. You you must have had a bit of chat with the other teams. Yeah, you did. Uh, they were right next to you. You know, if you can remember, they were just right next to you. You'd have a wee banter with them and have a wee chatting. But when we went on, it was the same as when you went on there. It was just like, oh, it was quite intense as well because I, I can't remember how long they lasted the games, but you only had certain amount of time. And if you were, or the rules and that, you know, you couldn't go certain play, you couldn't go over a halfway line and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we were the brightest in the bunch. And I wasn't the brightest in the bunch. You know what I mean? So you'd always. If you went back, I think if you went over the pitch, you went over the half wheel and that, you could, and you scored the goal, you didn't get and all this stuff, and it was like, but no, all the boys loved it, all the players loved it. Every team, I couldn't see there wasn't many teams that didn't enjoy it, you know. 
there's there's a few wee things I remember, and I'll never forget Andy Gorham getting interviewed after it with a trophy in his hand, and he said to the interviewer, "That's brilliant. We've now qualified for Europe." <laughs> and the interviewer didn't get what it just moved on. And it was like that was that was class because it, it was a brilliant squad. JC was there, Brian Hamilton, yourself, Kano, Graham Mitchell, the goalie. Uh, it it must have just been a brilliant laugh. Uh, it was good, uh, it was good, but as I say, when you went into these tournaments, you wanted to, you wanted to win it, eh? You wanted to win it. That was the, the key to everything, was win it. And if I can remember, it was decent bonuses as well. So it was money up for grabs, so that, didn't they? that always helped, you know what I mean? So you got appearance money, all that kind of stuff, so it was a lot on it. But uh, I we had good, good player, good squad as well, and... You always, you always brought maybe brought a couple of younger laddies as wrong as well. We gave them a bit of experience. I can remember uh, Billy Finley playing in that, and he was outstanding. Billy was a very, very good football player, and he and it suited him, you know, because he had great close control and he could pass a good ball. So it suited some players other than others, you know. If you were a if you were a heavy tackler and it was negative, to you, you know, if you were a you know, a, a good strong defender or thing that it was negative to you because it was a technical type thing, you know. And used to see them flying at each. <laughs> so it wasn't it suited some players and it never suited others, you know. But uh, no, I loved it, it was great. I enjoyed it. So I'm gonna make you choose here. What what was better? Winning the tenant sixes or winning the skull cup? Oh I skull cup <laughs> Winning anything, Bruce, you know, winning anything. And you always look back and you know, you want to win any, uh, anything, try and win something, you know, and even the sixes. In the matter, you still you always felt as a self achievement if you if you won something, you know. So obviously a bigger thing, but it's amazing. I always made the manager saying that to me years ago that you know if you get a taste for it, you get a taste for winning. You know if you win something, I used to think to myself, nah, that's no. But you do, Bruce. You know if if you if you win something, I can remember playing seven sides at Musselburgh. We used to play at Musselburgh Juniors on a full pitch. Could you imagine that? Like it was seven or seven or six or seven aside. And they used to all of bank it was and used to get a really good support that come to support the hubs and support the hearts. This big pitch. And it was oh and you wanted to win it. You know, it was so and it was great. Big pitch but seven aside, it was massive. The pitch was massive. But he didn't win, he went down there and the, the, the supporters so you wanted to win but it was true. Once you get a wee taste of something, it never leaves you, Bruce. You want more of it. Eh? You want a, you want a wee feel. You want more of it. You know, if you win a cup, you want to get into, you want to play in Europe. You know, everything just I always felt that you got a taste for it. You wanted a wee bit more of it. And that, that's the way I always looked at it that, at that time. That semi final against Rangers, it, but I mean, what a cross and, and what a goal! But leading up to the final. It, did you feel like the job had already been done or was it not, can I take Dunfermline for granted? I was always confident we would win the cup, you know, I was always confident, but uh, football's, football's the worst grave in the world for, you know, kicking you when you're doing, when you think you're doing well, football will bring you right down the earth very quickly, so you learn that, you know, but no, I was always confident if we turned up, they were capable, because I think we, I think we played them couple of weeks before it and we gave them we won it at Easter Road. So that always always in the back of their mind if you've beat them the week before, you know, that was always in the back of their mind. But 
No, the the semi final looked after itself, but when you got to the final, the pressure was on. The pressure was on, you know, because we were expected to win the cup. Then you know you've done the, you you beat the Rangers, it's a formality, but no for the players because you know the the pressure on that game was huge, you know, because Hibs didn't won a cup for a wee while, and obviously the thing, you know, the the takeover bid the year before the Hearts takeover bid. So it was a lot riding on that game, you know, and I'll, I'll be honest, I just wanted to go in the pitch and play because up to it, it was, it was hard. You had to just, you know, I remember trying anything to keep my mind occupied, you know, for the week before it, try to keep your mind occupied because it was a new thing for me and all playing in a cup final, I'd played in big games, but I hadn't played in a cup final. It was a new thing for me as well. So pressure was on in that, but, but that's what you want, you know, as a footballer, that's what you, you want the pressure games, you know, things where it really matters. And that was certainly one that really mattered to the, to the Hibs support at that time. That was a good side though, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I were, they were a good side, very underrated side. And they had everything, you know, but I've said it many times. The thing that I always found with them was that they were a group, they were a group of winners. There was winners in there, you know, real winners. Willie Muller and, you know, Gordon Hunter, all of them, Graham Mitchell, Murdo McLeod, Hammy, Paddy, all, all winners, big Tekken, all winners, you know, because you sense it when you're playing with them, Bruce, you know, you sense it. And they, we were, we had won a lot of games that season, but they were all, you know, good ones. Even the guys that were in the, the they all played a part, you know, always say that, you know, like see your Mark McGraw, Joe Totilano's, they all played their part in the games, you know, I never ever forget that. I always remember that because everybody played their part all the way through the run. Everybody played a wee part, you know, Gareth Evans, all of them, they all played a part in it. But what we had over there, we were a team, you know. There was no superstars in it, you know. You had to, we were a good team. We all got on well, you know, which is always good. Uh, and very underrated, you know, very underrated players, a lot of underrated players on the team. But as I said, the one thing that come for me was you knew you were in amongst boys that wanted to achieve something, you know, wanted to win. And it's a great feeling when you're you know, amongst play people like that. I was fortunate to be in amongst good players at the time. But uh, no, it was a really, really good team. I didn't want to give them too much airtime, but how much motivation came for, for the Wallace Mercer takeover attempt? Oh, that was for the players that were at the club at the time when it was all going on. It was massive motivation, especially for myself, people like that. Because we didn't, to be fair, we didn't realize, we didn't know if we were going to be have a job the year before. You know, it was that close. You know, we didn't know if you were going to have a, you were going to be playing for the Hubs. And the thought of there no being a Hubs was just incredible. You know, I'm thinking. But my dad and that would always, my dad was always reassuring me. He'd always say, "Listen," he said to me. Michael said the the supporters will save Hibs. He says, don't you worry, the Hibs supporters will save Hibs. And he was right, you know, because he'd supported them for years. He went, yeah, the Hibs supporters will no like this happen. This will not happen. And to be fair, even the Hearts supporters when they wanted it, you know, because they, they, without the Edinburgh Derby, you know, it would never be the same. And it's never going to happen. No chance. Hearts didn't want it. And we didn't want it, you know, they didn't want part of us, we didn't want part of them. Never going to happen, you know, but when you're in that situation, you know, you're just thinking to yourself, oh, this is unbelievable, you know, but 
these things happen in football, but you see, there's always something, there's always a drama in football. Something, <laughs> there's always a drama. Every single day, something goes wrong or something's up. And that's what it was like that at that time. It was, uh, it was intense, but it was really, it was worrying, but as I say, the Hub supporters rallied and and eventually they, they won the fight, you know. I, I was on the terrace and as a wee lad that day and, you know, you then got the chance to go back to Easter Road and, you know, the, the whole place just blew up. But what was it like when you got back to the changing room with no, you know, no social media, no camera phones, just the squad, the, the backroom staff, the door shut? What was it like being in that changing room? Uh, it was, I mean, words couldn't describe it. We couldn't describe it because just the the the, the way that we achieved it, you know, because it was virtually a team just started together, you know, and they went on a wee run. I knew early on, I knew early in the season, I thought this is a right good side, you know, this is a good side. And I'd been lucky playing a lot of great, really good players. <clears throat> uh, but it just seemed to click and the, the manager took the credit, must take great credit because he built a side that, you know, they all, they all mixed well together and they all complemented each other. That's the side, that's it. To me, that's the secret of a very good side is they all complemented each other, you know, because I was nothing without Brian Hamilton, Pat McGinley, Murdo McClough, Wee Willie Muller. Wee Willie was, oh, Wee Willie was great because Wee Willie was my, he was my minder, eh? Wee Willie was my minder. So these guys... They made me because they'd done all the hard work as well. And you just sat out there and you knew they, they could, they would do the tough stuff, you know, it needed to be done. And then you just added your wee part to it. But they were really good players, very underestimated. But as I say, they, they all complemented themselves really well, you know. And then you had that, that big striker up front. It, if you got a chance, if you got three chances, you could take two of them. But Keith, he was a great finisher, you know. And, you need that in every team. If you've got a finisher, and Big Keith was a very good finisher. A great lad as well, you know. But uh, nah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Very fortunate to be in that side. How big an impact did Murdo McLeod make? Oh, he was... He, Murdo had the T-shirt, you know, had the T-shirt. Won leagues, won cups, you know, played in Europe. He just looked at him and he thought, yeah, he's a real deal. Murdo was a real deal. He'd been there and he was a winner. He was fiercely competitive, you know, even in training. Oh, he was a fierce. But he rubbed off. Certainly me, I looked at him and I thought, I get why you've won titles now. I get why you've won cups and, you know, played in Europe and whatever. And I had great respect for Murdo. He was a very, very good player, but it was his, his attitude, determination, Will he win, you know? And not just him, the rest of them, but he was, as I say, because you could look at him and go, you know, I've got somebody, he's on the pitch with me, you know, I'm, he'll, we're all right today when we'll go to these type of players, you know, because I've all done it, Bruce, you know, he'd been there and done it, whereas we were still learning our, how to do it, you know, but he just gave you wee bits of advice, but you can't buy that, you know, we nuggets that you just can't buy it unless you've been in the situations he's been in. He wee bits of wee nuggets that he gave you, couldn't, couldn't buy it, you know. I love speaking to you, Mickey, and you're obviously massively passionate about the club. What what was it like when when the Scottish Cup finally got back to Easter Road? How, how did you feel as a as a former player and a and a fan? Oh, I'm just 
like everybody else, a massive relief, you know, it was a relief, you know, because, as you know, but some barren times and I went through it myself, you know, and that year that we won the Skull Cup, I, I really believed that we, we could win the Scottish that year as well and, and we had an absolute nightmare against Airdrie at home and it was, and Airdrie seemed to be the team that we couldn't beat, you know, we, all, we could beat everybody else but Airdrie and they turned up anyway. But uh, that day, standing, I was with Keith Wright and I was with a number of ex-players as well that day at Hamden. And there was just something in the air, there was just something told me that day, I remember being with Grant Stott and his father and that, and we all spoke about it, you know, and we're all saying, I think this is the day, you know, I think this is the day it's going to happen, you know, and we were always worried about, but I don't know what it was, it just, I felt, we're going to do this. And you've had so many letdowns, as you know, eh? you've had so many letdowns, and, and I'll, I'll be honest, Bruce, I didn't really want to go, I was terrified, you know, because I thought, oh, I don't think I can face another one, you know, another, but something tell me you need to go here, you need to go. So I took my sons, well, one of them was, he was with his friends, but I took my youngest son and it was his first cup final, you know, and I didn't realise what he just achieved, you know, I'm thinking, I've got a semi-final, I've got a cup finals, and we're being beat, you turn up for your first one and you win it, you know, it's just like... But it was uh, it was it was amazing, absolutely. What a day it was! Great day and great, you know, just as a sense of relief. You could see it. you just look around and you see grown men crying, you know. And I must have had a lump in my throat that day. I was really emotional because you seen that. Like my my dad never seen us win a Scottish Cup. My granddad never seen us win a Scottish Cup. My uncles, you know, and I think everybody felt that. All supporters feel that. You you don't really think about the. The day you think about the people who never seen it, you know, who followed the house for years, never seen us win a Scottish Cup, you know, and that was what come back to me. And because uh, that was one thing that I always wanted to try and was trying even getting a Scottish Cup final. But I wasn't fortunate to do it, but no, nah, they on the day they were they were great on the day. They turned up uh, and thoroughly deserved it, you know, through the game. They, they deserved it and they had a lot of good players that they all played well. And that's what you need when you come to a cup final. You need everybody or most of your team to play well. And we had that, you know. There's a lot of good players played well that day. No, but it was a what a brilliant day for the, for the support and everybody involved with the club, you know. Happy days. So uh, Kano was telling us a story about not just your pigeon. Eh, sorry, not Kano. Joe T was telling us a story about uh, it's not just pigeons you love, but you had greyhounds as well. Oh, I had everything, but I had pigeons, dogs, I had everything, but the dogs either. It was just, I, I loved it, enjoyed it. It's just simply, always felt that you needed a hobby, you know, always felt that I needed a hobby. I was just hyper, you know, always needed something to keep my mind off playing football, you know, try and get something else. And my dad and that were into it. It was back in the day when the Greyhounds was a massive, sad, sad thing that's happened now with Greyhounds. It's, there's no one track, there's only one track in Scotland now, but back in the days were like 40, 50 tracks or something. But anyway, uh, my dad got me into it. I just enjoyed it, you know, the exercise, feeding them, and then just carried on and had them for many years. Uh, loved it. Some good nights, some really bad nights. <laughs> I'm sure Joe T told you a, a, a few of them, but uh, no, I was just, as I say, I always 
always liked something outside the game, you know. And greyhounds is a brilliant, great hobby uh, to have for something to do, you know. So, you're, you're some man I could just imagine. You're not somebody that sits still for very long. No, no, I wasn't like that. And I'm still the same. But I'm still the same. It's just I go along. I see I play with the boys on a Wednesday and football, and and I go up this morning. I'm sitting there, and I'm saying, you know, I'm like a like a wee boy playing his first game, you know. Yeah, eleven o'clock buzzing for a game of football on Wednesday. It's like I say, sad. You're sad. My brother said to me, you're sad. He said, you're sad. You're, you're jumping about there like, oh, no, I just, I just love it. I just love playing football. You got to remember, Bruce. I went through a bad time where I had a back operation, and I was told, you know, I couldn't play for like, and then kicked the ball for years, you know, and I never thought I'd be able to play football again, you know. I never thought, but once I got my operation sorted. I gave it the time it needed, and uh, the surgeon he did say to me, "Michael, you'll get back to a normal life." So I'm just going for it now, you know, because I never thought it would happen. So every single game I play, I'll, I'll just, I'm just feel grateful for I have that chance to do it because I never thought it would happen to me, Bruce. You know. And you're gonna get to play Easter Road again. I am. I well, I've been asked to come along playing a game. I so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, just to play on the on Easter Road again, you know. But far far change for that big hill. I'll, I'll no miss that hill. You remember the big hill we had? <laughs> I was going to say you'll get a fright when it's flat. <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've played on it. Uh, I played on a couple of testimonial games, but oh, you look at that hill. You say, "I will, I will get them. We'll beat them going down hill." Okay, I mean, doing the hill, get them doing the hill, and all that stuff. But that's no, it. You look at it now; it's changed so much, you know. But I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'm not looking forward to the next day. Oh, I must admit, I'm not looking forward to the next day. But uh, good to see the guys again. All the boys, a few boys that you played with as well. You know, ah, magic. Uh, how did it feel? You've I, I said I was going to stop, and I've just got to keep going. How did it feel knowing that? Well, even folk like me were running around the playground pretending to be you. Did Did you ever? Did you know that was happening? I'll be honest, Bruce. No, as I say, I never. I never ever looked at as you know people looking up to me, and you know something. I'll be honestly, Bruce. I'm, I'm, I hate when people call me a legend. You know, I get embarrassed. I do. I still to this day think to myself, I'm a legend. You know, Paddy Stanton's a legend. You know, Alec Cropley, all these type of guys. It's great to be called it, but I never look at it as. I get embarrassed about it because I think I, I never played enough games or done enough for the Hibs to become a legend. But people call you it, so you, you, you just say, I'm thankful for it, but I've never ever looked at it that way. And even when I played, I never I never thought that some me boy would be playing the, the playground thinking it was me, you know. So I just never looked at it that way. I just looked at it as I was a football player, playing for the club, and that was it. It wasn't really till we come out of football, you know, and you're sort of coaching or whatever it be, and guys like yourself would start talking to you, and you know more about my, my game than I did, you know. <laughs> They'd say to me, remember this game, you remember that game, and I'm thinking, I, I can't remember that of these games, but it's great, uh, it's great when people talk about the games and that, but as I say, sometimes I get a wee bit embarrassed, you know, because I, I do, because as I say, I don't, never ever looked at it that way. I just looked at it as I was fortunate to play for the club that I supported uh, 
and I won a cup with him and, you know, managed to play in Europe with him. If I looked at it, if I said that when I was a young boy, never believed it was never believed it was gonna to happen to me. And and that's why people call you a legend, because you've done things that we wanted to do. Mickey, I've I've loved speaking to you. Thank you so much for giving up your time. No, thank you for having me, Bruce. Uh, I think what I'm going to say is the same I said to Joe T. You'll need to come back for part two. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I'm sure Joe T will have a part two. That's for sure. <laughs> Michael, thank you so much. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you. you got to love him. And it all came for this. Best day to be state to Belgium. I got in touch with Colin Leslie and said, Colin... And I need to do a podcast of these guys because they were the heroes of mine. I absolutely loved the book. You can get it in the Hibs Club stop, shop. You can get it from www.bigcartel.com. Uh, what a perfect present for the hippie in your life. Get hold of it. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, I certainly have. Speaking to Michael Weir, an absolute hero of mine. Uh, big brother, favourite player in the world. He was like, oh, I can't believe you're speaking to Mickey Weir. Well, I have. I hope you've enjoyed it. You can get it on Apple, Acast and Spotify. You can watch on Facebook and YouTube. You can follow Goals and Glory all over social media. Get involved. Tell your pals. Tell all your heavy pals. Tell your football pals. Just tell everybody it's well worth a listen. I've loved it. My name is Bruce Aitchison from the Goals and Glory podcast and I'll be back with more Hibs players very, very soon. Until then, look after yourself. Ah.